0: And that's just one installment of many you get to look forward to this summer. So we are in part two of our series on Peter, and uh, the series is called Living Between Two Worlds because Peter's really talking about this idea of the tension that there is between living in a world that is very imperfect, that has trouble and has all kinds of things happen in it, and looking forward to a world that there's perfection, a world where we are graced and have this perfect relationship with God, and there's beauty in it, and we understand it and live it out, and we're in the in-between time. And that's what Peter invites us to. And, you know, that's, that's a reality that all of us face, right? We all face times where there's things in our life that don't go the way we want them to go. Um, there are places in our life where we face things that we feel a little overwhelmed by, or challenges that we're like, man, I want to go do that, but that's a little scary for me to go to do, right? I think about that challenge when I remember uh, my first time off the high dive as a kid. Do you remember, How many of you guys have gone off the high dive at the pool, right? Okay, so here's, here's what my first experience felt like a little bit. You know, I was like five or six, and I just decided it was time to go off the high dive. And I'm sure I didn't talk to my mother about it, and you can feel badly about her because for her because it's just one of many things. But I never talked to her about just what I did because my phrase as a kid is, I probably won't die, so let's go for it, right? So... Up the ladder I go to the top of the high dive, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this about the high dive, but it's taller at the top than it is at the bottom. You know what I'm saying? And so when you get up there, it feels a little differently, and, well, the best way to kind of get that understanding of it is to take a good lesson from Mr. Bean. So Mr. Bean, okay, he's a little ridiculous, right? But there are places in your life that feel like that. Where you get up there, you face that situation, and you're just like, you just want to like roll the ground and hold on, and you peek out over the edge and you're like, yikes. Like I don't know what, you know, and you, you get all the questions going through your head, like, what if? Right? Like, what if I go off the diving board? And I belly flop. What if I go off that diving board and I hit the cement? Like, you, get, you know the what if questions for your circumstance, for those places in your life that are challenging. What if this doesn't work out? What if, what if, what if, what if? And Peter says this morning, what he invites us to is this new perspective, this new outlook on life. He says, if you're going to believe in Jesus, then believing in Jesus ought to do something about the way you live life. It ought to do something about when you hit that situation and say something to you about how you live that out. Do you just rock back and forth and hope that it all works out? What do you do? How do you face it? Because our faith ought to make a difference. And that's what Peter invites us to, to seeing not just what we see, but seeing what we could see, seeing that the impossible can be amazing when it's with God. So if you get out your outline today, you can follow along, and we're just going to walk through some scripture in the very first chapter of Peter, talk a little bit about how he opens up his book and kind of sets the, this pace and the scale for this living between two worlds, how he opens it up and says, I want you to have a faith, a confidence. And this is the, this is the single focus today that was, we're talking about this because it's Peter's focus. I want you to have this confidence that is based on what Jesus has done so that you can have hope in what he will do, so that you can live differently with this new outlook that is hopeful. And so let's start talking first about the, the first part of this is confidence in what Jesus has done. I can have a new outlook, I can have a new perspective when I have confidence in what Jesus has done. Now in the situations that you face, those high dives in your life, whether they're big challenges, things you're uncomfortable with, way outside your comfort zone, or whether they're things like that you face like a relationship that's not working, or bankruptcy, or just something in your life that feels like that, I am a little consumed by fear right now, I don't know how to move forward. Wherever you are in that life, if you've ever been up against it and you felt like, I don't know where this is going, I don't know how this is going to work out, I don't know how God's going to come through, then you should relate to Peter and the people that he's writing to because these are people who lived during the time of Nero. Now, the emperor Nero of Rome, he wasn't such a fan of Christians. In fact, he thought, well, actually, he did think Christians were useful. Okay? He thought they were useful for things like lighting the Roman roads as a flamed on, right? So, like, he would set them on fire along the Roman road to light the path. Now, if you're a Christian and you're facing that, like, you need to hear, how do, what do I deal? How do I deal with all of this? This is my reality, what I'm going through. I'm being hunted. I mean, to proclaim myself as Christ is to lay myself out there. So, and I know that, and I, I don't really mean to do this, but probably now that you've thought about it that way, you're your situation doesn't seem so bad right like well i'm not being lit on fire later today so i feel pretty good about myself now but that's not really the point of it the point is peter can relate to you the people that he's writing to they can relate to you and and peter's advice is you need a new outlook when you're facing life as it is with an endless supply of trouble you need a new outlook you need to be able to look at life and see it the way god sees it and the way and based on the reality and have confidence about that and so this is the way Peter starts. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given us a new birth because of his great mercy. Now pay attention to this next sentence, because this is the core and the key of everything we're talking about today. We have been born into a new life that has a confidence. We have been born into a new perspective. By submitting to Jesus... By placing your hope in Jesus, you have been born into a new way of looking at life. You have a new outlook on life, a new way of thinking about life. And it's not just something that you might work out. It's a confident one. In fact, it says you have a born into a new life that has a confidence, which is what? Is alive. You have a confidence that's alive. And why is it alive? Is it because well, people said it's pretty good and it should work out. Is it because everything always goes well? Is it because don't worry, be happy? Is it just have another martini, you won't worry about it later? Like, what is it? What is our confidence based on? Here's it is. It's because Jesus has come back to life. Living proof. We have living proof. Jesus didn't come to the world, live a life, and just die. Lots of people have done that, okay? Lots of religious leaders have done that. In fact, all of the world religions, Buddhism, Islam, they all have people who make those claims. They came, they lived a life, they wrote about it, and then they died. Peter says, that's not what I'm calling you to. I'm not talking about fairy tales. I'm not talking about someone that just had good things to say. I am telling you about someone who came who lived a life, who died, and then came back to life. And not, not resuscitated died. You know what I mean? You know the difference between resuscitated and resurrected? Resuscitated, you don't stink yet. But, resus- but resurrected, you actually stink when you come back to life, right? You're, you're going from smell bad to smell good, right? So you've been in the grave three days, that's, and then you come back to life, that's res- res- Resurrected. Resuscitated is, I gave you CPR, you're out for a second or two, okay? Jesus was resurrected. We have living proof. And Peter says, that's what you should base your salvation on. Now, if you've been exploring faith, or you know someone who has, and you're like, eh, I'm kind of checking it out, then let me, let me put it this way. When you think about having confidence about, why should I have a new outlook why should I check out Jesus more? Why should I go further in my journey of faith? It might be easier. You may have heard people say things like, the, the, I remember someone telling me this when I was growing up. Well, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that's good enough for me. You heard, you heard that before? Like, Bible says it, I believe it, that's good enough for me. Well, in the America I grew up in, that was good enough because... Majority of people were Christians, and so they get to say whatever they want because of the majority. So they said, well, the Bible says it. I believe it. It's good enough for me. But when I was coming to faith, I'm going to be honest with you, it wasn't good enough. for me. I mean, I read all kind of things in the Bible. I didn't always understand what they said and what it meant, and it didn't really change my life. Sure, I'm not, what I'm not saying here is that the Bible doesn't have wisdom, and I'm not saying that the Bible isn't full of words of life because I cherish it. Changes my world on a regular basis. But the power is not in the pen. The power is in Jesus. I mean, I didn't give up all the things I did to follow the career path that I did. Like, I didn't go into the pastorate for the money, okay? Like, I had a good career that was about money. I didn't change careers. I didn't give up the direction of my life. I haven't made changes in my life that were fairly painful to make because the Bible told me to. I did it because I discovered the resurrected Savior, and he asked me to. And he said stuff in the Bible, and the reason I now believe the Bible is because I believe Jesus. The reason I believe the Bible is because Jesus predicted his own death, then predicted that he would come back to life three days later. Then he actually pulled it off, and thousands of people witnessed it. And thousands of people lighter died defending it, saying it was true. I don't know anyone else has done it. I don't know any other religion that claims that or even wants to claim that. But Jesus did. And so when I look back over my shoulder at Jesus, I have a confidence. Because of what he did, what he said he would. So I know he'll do what he'll say he'll do. I know that I can trust him. I have a confidence that nothing escapes his power. In fact, when he died on the cross, power went out from him. And then he said, you'll do even greater things than this. These are his promises. It convinced people for centuries. And we ought to be honest with ourselves because that's what ought to convince us and that's what ought to convince the people that we know that we want to know Jesus. It's not discovering the Bible. It's discovering Jesus. Peter says this, Goes on to say this about this incredible confidence. It says in verse 4, we have been born into a new life that has an inheritance that cannot be destroyed or fade away. In other words, this new life that you've been born into because of what Jesus has done, this confidence that you now have, is not just confidence for now, it's confidence in an inheritance that is forever. And it can't fade away. Nothing, no person, No situation that you're ever in, I don't care what you're facing or how bad it is, nothing can take that from you. This life, no one can take it from you. It's secured. In fact, it's being kept for you in a place that can't fade away. Nothing can steal it from you. And even though now you might be a person who's never seen Jesus or met him, I've never met Jesus in the flesh but I can still believe in him and love him because I look back over my shoulder and I say, he said he, I know he did what he said he would. And I know he'll do what he says he will because I know he is who he says he is. And that's why I have confidence. And that's what Peter's inviting us to. Building your faith on Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, when I climbed up that uh, high dive when I was a kid and I got up there and I was like, yikes, I?' jump off? Do I not jump off? Do you know what finally made me overcome my fear? Because anytime you face a situation, you have fear. And I'm not saying that you won't have fear. What I am saying is that in that fear, if you have confidence in what's been done before, like I was on that high dive looking out over, do you know why I went off finally? Because I realized that summer after summer, people jumped off this thing and they lived. Believe it or not, they lived. They jumped off and they didn't die. And, I, and you know my slogan, right? I might not die. I was like, well, that lines right up, right? So I went off. But it, it wasn't based on a fairy tale. It was based on facts. So base your faith on facts. The fact is that you can count on Jesus. That he's a person that you can count on. And that's what the celebration of the communion is about this morning. It's about counting on Jesus. And so... We're going to celebrate communion. The worship team is going to come and sing, and I want you to take a moment in your own celebration of communion to walk through the facts in your own life, to walk through the places that you're afraid. So this morning, um, I don't know what you're facing. I do know that whatever you're facing, you can bring it here. So the worship team is going to come, and you're going to come, and as you come and you take the elements, you take the bread, the cup, and you come back to your own seat. I wonder if you'd ask this question of yourself. What am I, what am I a little afraid of? What causes me, like Mr. Bean, just to rock back a little bit, like, man, what am I going to do? What do you look ahead to and instead of seeing spring and summer, you just see fall and winter? Where is it in your life that you, You've not confidently approached it. You've approached it with fear and trepidation. And faith will make a difference. Faith based on fact. Not based on what somebody else has said. Don't believe it because I said it was true. Believe it because Jesus said it was true. Because Jesus pulled it off. That's communion. That you could know. That you could remember. That's what Jesus said at communion. Remember, remember, remember. Remember what I've done because it will guarantee what I will do. It is my new covenant, my new promise with you for what will come. So maybe this will be your first time today. You've never really trusted yourself in your life over to Jesus. And this is your first time coming, and we invite you to come. Say, that's what coming to communion is. It's coming and saying, Jesus, again, I remember. And I, I trust myself to you. Be my leader and forgive. And if you've already been there and done that, then I invite you to come and say, leave at the communion table what it is that causes you fear. Leave it with Jesus at the table. Look to the cross. And say, I know what you're done. And so I'm going to stand on the promises of what you will do. So you can come, for, as the worship team plays, just come up the center aisles. Um, you can take the bread and the cup, and then you can go around the back outside Have a seat, and then I'll come up and lead us through together. We'll take communion together. And we his disciples around. I think he was looking forward to the things that they would face. And they didn't even know the power of the cross. They didn't yet experience their first communion. They hadn't experienced what would happen the second that Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn, the earth shook. People who were dead in their graves came back to life because the power that went out from Jesus on his death this is the power that Jesus offers you. But he knew that they, when they pictured his broken body, he didn't, they didn't, he didn't want them to see a broken body. He wanted to see them have the confidence in what that power could do in their life. So I invite you this morning to know and see the power of Jesus' life and its promises for your own life. Let's eat together. after they had eaten the bread together. Jesus passed around the cup and he reminded them, he predicted again what he was about to face. He said, my blood will be shed so that you might have forgiveness. So when you drink it, when you taste it, do not remember just the shedding of blood. Remember that every day gives you a new outlook, a fresh start, forgiveness. Even though sometimes the things that you face in life might be your own doing. You may have sabotaged yourself and gotten there and you're like, I don't know how to go on from this. I don't know that Jesus will forgive me again. Your guarantee of it is the shedding of blood. He knew what you would face. He paid for all of them. He already saw them. And so today and every day, he offers you the same fresh start, forgiveness through repentance. So as you drink, Remember, you have a new outlook, a new start every day. Let's drink together. Jesus, we are thankful. We're thankful because of all the things that you did, you did them in a way that we could have confidence about our faith. You demonstrated through your life The power of God is not a fairy tale, but a reality. And no matter whatever the reality of my life is, you want to teach me and show me the new reality, the new outlook, the new way of looking at things. So Lord Jesus, thank you for the confidence that we can have in you for forgiveness, for a new day, for the power of God in our lives. I pray that that might become a reality for all of us in Jesus' name. So this morning, as you think about this confidence, we've talked about the confidence we have at the cross and what happened there. But the cross doesn't just give us confidence. What he did for us doesn't just give us confidence to move ahead. It gives us hope because what he has done gives us confidence, we have confidence because of what he's done. What he's done also helps us understand that we can have hope in what he will do. So let's talk about having hope in what he will do. That he is who he says he is, that we can count on him and that we can have hope in what he will do. Now, Peter, when he's talking about hope, want to distinguish between hope and optimism. I had a friend that was, we were talking about this one time, and he said, I think the difference between hope based on Jesus and optimism is this. Optimism talks about what could be. Hey, look, that could be different. Things could change tomorrow. Look, it could be better. But hope, based on Jesus, is not about what could be. It's about what will be. And there's a difference between what could be and what will be. And if you've ever been in a situation where things have gone wrong for you or that you've faced things with intrepidation, there's been troubles in your life, or it's just someplace way outside your comfort zone, and it keeps happening, you come to the end of optimism, don't you? You can't keep being optimistic when things keep don't, they just don't go the way you wanted them to go. And in those places, you don't need optimism Need hope, real hope, and we all move through hope in different ways. And um, I think for most people, you know, this is kind of what Peter's addressing: is sometimes we run into those situations and we just want to bury our head in the ground. We just want to hide and go, "Man, I just life just keeps coming at me, and I don't know what to do about it." And we can go, we can move to despair. We just despair. We just go. We just get depressed. We just say, "Ah." Nothing I wanted to come true is coming true. So we have despair. There's a second attitude that some people have, and it's resignation. Resignation happens when you're a person who refuses to stay in despair. And so you just decide, you know what, I'm not going to despair, but I am resigned. Like maybe maybe the that way that I wanted that relationship to go, maybe it's just never going to be there. Maybe it's just never going to work out. Maybe I didn't really even want it that badly. Or maybe that, that job that I was really hoping for, I really wanted that job, but I didn't get it, and so maybe, now there's, maybe I'll just never get a job like that. So I'll just resign that to trudge through life, to move ahead, to expect that, you know what, maybe winter is all there is and there's never a spring. Maybe rainy days is all that's ahead and there's no sun. So I'll just move forward in life like that until I get to the end of life. But Peter's not talking about either of those. He's coaching us on what a new outlook based on Jesus is, and that's being a hoper, a person who has hope, a person who says, I know what will be. I know what that what's now, but I have a new outlook on what Jesus says will be. And so I don't know how it will happen, and maybe I will let go of my expectations that it has to happen this way, but I know that it will happen, and I trust Jesus that it will happen. And so now... I'm not trying to make it happen. I'm trying to watch how God is moving and collaborate with him and move with him through it. And that good things can happen because of that. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, verse 4. He says, there's that inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. An inheritance kept in heaven for you, and since you are guarded by God's power, and you underline it, since you are guarded by God's power. So there's an inheritance in heaven for you. There's an inheritance that is kept for you, that is secured for you, that you're going to enjoy, that's going to be fully yours. Psalm 16, your inheritance is the Lord. Like, you're going to have the fullness of God and all that he's created you to be, and you're going to enjoy it fully when you get to that day. And Peter says, it is being kept in heaven for you. Now, since you are guarded by God's power in the here and now. Since you are guarded by God's power, through faith for salvation that is already being revealed at the end of time, but that's a mouthful. In other words, since you are guarded by God's power, through the faith, the confidence that you have in Jesus, for a salvation that he is going to come through for you, now and forevermore, since you have that, you can be extremely happy about these things. So since you're guarded by God's power, you can be extremely happy. Even though, get this, even though you have to suffer different kinds of trouble, you can be extremely happy. Since you are guarded by God's power, you can be extremely happy even though you have to suffer for a little while. That's a new outlook. That's not one that most people have, right? Like, most of us, when it comes to suffering, would like to hit the skip button, right? Oh, oh, I see that. It's like a commercial break in our life. Like, hey, here's the main event. Then there are these commercial breaks of suffering. And, you know, if you've ever had to watch commercials for very long, like, if you've ever watch one of those TV shows where there's more commercials than TV show, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, ah, well, you just get back to the main event. That's how we feel when it comes to suffering and adversity in our life. We're like, I want to get back to the main events. Don't make me sit here in this stuff. I want to go back to the main event. And Peter says, you can be extremely happy, even though you suffer for a little while. For now, golden words. Golden words of advice from Peter. For now. For now is not forever. And when you're in adversity, sometimes it feels like forever, right? You're like, ugh. This seems like it's going on forever, and I just want it to be done. And Peter says, don't rush it. Don't skip it, because it's part of the main event. It's part of what God is doing in you, and it is not forever. Our hope is in what's ahead. But Peter says, even now, since you are guarded by God's power, you can be extremely happy. You can look through that and say, no, God is doing something in me. And if you've ever faced adversity, you know there is something that happens in adversity that does not happen apart from it. You know what those things are? I mean, have you experienced them? Think about it. In adversity, you discover things about yourself that you would never know, right? I mean, you you can say that you're like, no, I'm a confident person. Then you get fired. And suddenly, you're not a confident. You can think in adversity, you can get stripped of your identity. Like I thought, I thought I knew who I was and then I got fired and suddenly I realized I was my job and now I don't have my job and now I don't know who I am. We get hit by sickness. We get hit by things we're unexpected, relationships that don't work and suddenly we get a new definition of who we are and who, how God feels about us. The th- times that I've gone through the most trouble in my life that i felt most alone are the times i felt closest to God. And it took a while. It was like on the high dive, and it took a while. And I, w- I was afraid. I didn't like it. I wanted to hit the skip button. But I stayed there because Peter's advice is right. For now, you can be extremely happy if you look to Jesus. If you look to what God is going to do. Because you are guarded by God's power. And so whatever else has happened in your life, you know you are guarded by God's power. And so you can count on him. And so if our hope is in what's to come, you still might ask the question, why stay in the for now? Why engage in this part of it? You're still unconvinced that here's Peter's words for you. Here's the purpose of staying in the adversity. The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as fire tests how genuine gold is. The purpose of these troubles is that your faith will become more precious than gold. The purpose of these troubles is in passing the test. It will give praise and glory and honor to God. And the purpose of these troubles is when Christ comes again, you will be extremely happy with joy that you can't even express with words As you obtain the salvation that is the goal of your faith. The purpose of these troubles is that you'll obtain the salvation that is the goal of your faith. That you'll know what salvation really means and it won't no longer be just words on a page. It won't just be like, yeah, yeah, I follow Jesus. Yeah, 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 I have Jesus in my heart. It won't be just words like that. You will have real life experience that has come in contact with your faith. And you will know what it means to count on Jesus because he's the only one you can count on. And you will know what it means for people to come around you who love Jesus and walk with you in times when you didn't have other people. You didn't know you could count on them and they came through and they loved Jesus with you and they helped you get through. And According to Peter, that's why we can be extremely happy. God is watching out. When we face troubles and we have um, an attitude in trouble of despair or resignation, it's a bit like being a turtle. And I I lived my life as a turtle, even as a follower of Jesus for a lot of years. You know, when trouble and adversity came my way, I hid in my shell for a while, hoped it would go away. When it didn't go away, I kind of forged through it, moved to resignation, and just went, well, I guess that's what it's like. In fact, That was my attitude about life that I learned growing up. Like, well, one problem just leads to another. Spring doesn't always follow winter, so sometimes it's all there is is winter. And I had a lot of anxiety. Like, even though I had faith in Jesus, I still had a lot of worry and anxiety in my life. Because I was a turtle. And And I'm a doer, so I would forge ahead and I would try to make it happen and try to solve those problems. But I was not extremely happy. I did not have this joy that was inexpressible. Peter says, that's what you're supposed to have. So don't be a turtle. Have a new outlook. Be a giraffe. That's who God's inviting you to be. You know the difference between a turtle and a giraffe? They both eat the same stuff. They can both occupy the same space. But one can see what the other doesn't. One can look out over his circumstances and see what's happening. They can, he, the giraffe can see how God is moving and is looking for that and is moving on, and turtles and giraffes can coexist just fine so long as the giraffe doesn't take advice from the turtle on how to live. So take advice from a turtle that's becoming a giraffe. You can count on Jesus. You can trust him. You can have confidence because of what he's done, that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. Be a giraffe. Look out over your circumstances and say, I see how God's moving and I am waiting for Him to do that. You know one of the places that have been huge for me and putting my hope in Jesus and really knowing that salvation isn't just words, but it's life and it's it's putting my hope in a Jesus who rose from the dead and a Jesus who can walk on water and a Jesus that's going to come through for me even when situations look like they're not going to work out. I can have hope because God's at work because I'm protected by his power. Do you know what made some of those things come true? These spiritual markers. Some of them were walking through adversity. And some of them were places where I just felt uncomfortable like a missions trip. I love missions trips. So I am, I'd always invite you, go on a trip. That was my, my dream for every person in this room, that at least once in your life you would go on a short-term trip, especially at daybreak. I love our short-term trips. We commissioned an Ecuador team. They left yesterday. This morning we're commissioning a uh, Columbia team, our student team. And in the fall you could still sign up and go to a Biloxi team. Get out someplace that's uncomfortable. Move from being a giraffe or move from being a turtle to a giraffe. I invite you to do that. We're going to take a minute now and just watch a video about some kids who are going out to be uncomfortable and learning how Jesus is their hope and how Jesus comes through. So watch this video, then Mel's going to come forward and commission them.
1: My sister went on a mission trip and she talked about how she really loved it and How she liked, it really changed her life on helping other kids that aren't as fortunate as as us. I feel like God is calling me to go on this trip because he really wants me to learn how I can connect with others around the world,
0: no matter what language they speak, um, no matter what their beliefs are beforehand.
1: I feel
2: like God has called me on this trip because this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, and I... Uh, I just feel called to, like, help people and show God's love to, like, all the brothers and sisters we have in the world.
1: Um, I feel like God's really calling me to, like,
2: serve people in a different way than I've served before. And I'm also wanting to go to, like, grow in my relationship with Him and um, just be able to, like, show my faith and my love for God in, like, a different context than I normally would. I feel like God's calling me on this trip because I feel like there's something that He wants to show me. I may not know what it is yet, but in Columbia, I feel like there's something that's going to teach me. I just really felt like every time we had um, the missions trip Sunday, every time I was watching that, I just feel like really like moved by those, and I just really wanted to go and be sent here, so. Um, I think I'm most excited about just like the different cultures and like seeing how people worship God there and that kind of thing. I'm excited about like the, helping the children and helping others and seeing how they are affected by what we do. I'm most excited to speak Spanish and just kind of form relationships with everyone. I'm most excited to be in the culture of South America and just like, be in the new world type of thing and have new, these new experiences with these people and be able to um, develop
1: relationships with them I am most excited to eat a guinea pig and see all the people.
2: Using the Spanish I learned the past two years and
1: getting to connect with other people.
2: I would ask people to pray that we will just be confident that we'll be safe and that we'll be there with God the whole time and not have to worry about anything
1: else. I would ask people to pray that we are all safe and that we all can just touch other people's lives and show them God's love. That I will actually
2: get all the money I need and that I'll
1: stay safe and I'll be healthy for the trip. Well, I would like if people prayed that we had a safe trip. Mm -hmm.
2: I wish that people would also pray for all the financial needs that people are worried about being met and all the stress that people have coming up to this trip.
1: Not worrying about having anything go wrong and just trusting in God that he'll be able to protect us the entire way through. All right, so we
2: have 14 high school students and youth staff that are leaving on Saturday morning. At the ripe time of 5 a.m., I think, yeah. <laughs> um, and two of them are Good Hope Roaders. And so this is Jen. You've heard her beautiful voice. And this is Casey, who's also graduating. She's the one we waved to earlier. A busy week for you, huh? Yeah. Um, But I love my role here at Daybreak as the uh, Director of Global Ministries, and I worked in student ministries for a long time. And it just makes me smile and blesses my heart to think about this team going to Columbia. And this is a very special team because our partners, through our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, In Ecuador, who we've been going back to see now for eight years, our 12th team is on the ground there now, um, have invited us to come and be a part of what's happening in Colombia. And they specifically requested a student team uh, because of the different ministries that are happening there and the young age of some of the leaders. And we were ready. And so they've never hosted um, a team in Colombia yet, even though the long-term work has been going on there for quite a while. And we were like, yes, count us in. (laughs) We want to be your pioneer team, and we want to come and do whatever it takes, whatever you ask, uh, to be a blessing to the long-term work and what God's doing there. And so we're sending these guys off. And as a church family, um, you may have heard us say this two weeks ago when we commissioned the Ecuador team, but to commission literally just means to send out, just like Jesus did with his disciples before he said goodbye to this earth. And so as a family, we commission them. We're going to send them out and show our support, and we're going to pray over them in just a minute. But I just want to say thank you to you guys as our church family, and we could never go without your prayers, your financial support, just your encouragement, um, knowing that you're behind us. And for nine or ten days, daybreak's going to be in Columbia, which is really cool. (laughs) And we hope that you guys have a great experience. And so will you join me as I pray for them and as we commission them this morning? God, you're a God who not only created all peoples, but love, but love all peoples, and you are in pursuit of all people. All people groups of every language, nation, tribe, and tongue, as the book of Revelation says. And one day, we'll be able to stand around the throne, throne and worship you together, and yet today on this earth, you have called us to join you in what you're doing globally, because you're at work in all seven billion people. And you long for all of us to be in relationship with you. And the humbling privilege it is to be asked to join you in that pursuit is, it's just incredible. And you don't need us, but you choose to use us. And what an amazing opportunity that this team of students has to join you in what you're doing in Columbia. And so today, we do pray for the things the students have asked for. We do pray for safety. We do pray for provision. We do pray for good health. We pray for team unity. We pray for... Uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> we pray uh, that they would see things and allow themselves to be changed in ways they've never been changed before. We pray that they would each take their own next step in their personal and intimate relationship with you on this trip. We pray that they would be challenged and, God, that ultimately that they would be changed and to become more like who you are. And so as a church family guide, we come along side of them, we support them, and we commission them in the power and the name of Jesus and ask that this trip would be an incredible uh, experience as they get to see a new part of the world through your incredible eyes. And we're going to trust you f- for great, great things, and that you would use this trip, as Sean has been speaking this morning, to give them a new outlook on life as they align their heart more with yours. And we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's show our support for
0: these guys. I love that they're getting a new outlook. I love that they're putting themselves out there to do it. And I hope that you'll do the same. So this morning, whether you're in a place, um, I guess the question is, are you a turtle or a giraffe? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? If you've got despair, then look back over your shoulder at what Jesus has done for you already. Know that you are guarded in his power, and that he can do more than you can imagine. And if you're in resignation and you're just trodden through life, and start standing on the promises of Jesus. that He wants to give you a full and abundant life, that he wants you to be extremely happy about what he is doing and has done and will do. And start to get a new outlook. Start poking your head up higher and seeing how God wants to move. And if you've already got that hope, if you already feel like, ah, I've got that hope and I need to keep moving through, then share it with others. There's a lot of folks in our world who need some hope, who need the kind of hope that you have in Jesus. Let me pray for you, just that prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for what you've done. It has given us confidence that you are who you say you are. And we have hope that you will do what you say you will do. So God, for those of us, whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether it be despair or resignation, help us to move through it and to find hope in you. And for those of us who have hope, teach us to share it, to not be ashamed of it, and to know why we have that hope. It's because of you, Jesus. We love you. I pray for every person here. May they be a giraffe with a new outlook on life. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning as the uh, worship...